Welcome to the Global Wellness HQ family of podcasts. We are your international headquarters for resources and ideas and insight in relation to the nine elements of holistic wellness. Join us as we interview local and international wellness experts and learn how you can implement and improve one element or dimension of wellness at a time. Our experts will share their practical tips on wellness in one of these core areas. Emotional, intellectual, occupational, physical, environmental, financial, spiritual, social, or habitual. We created our family of podcasts as a resource for anyone who is looking to integrate the nine elements of holistic wellness into their daily lives. Welcome to the show. The Global Wellness HQ family of podcasts is proudly sponsored by the Global Wellness HQ community. It's an online membership group where we meet, we share ideas, we share insights, and we all work together and help one another discover our own personal wellness journeys. If you'd like to join us, you can easily click the link below or scan the QR code, and we love hearing your stories, so we hope to see you in the community. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited today because I have the amazing Philippa Gilstrom on the show today, and um, she's given me a great introduction. I'm going to try to do it justice. Um, Philippa is the wisacious phoenix of change, using her immense, enriching, vibrant energy to reveal possibility, create luxury, and ignite the flames of transformation. Her background is as rich as her energy. She has a career climbing frame rather than a ladder, having lived and worked in several countries in multiple languages and within numerous industries, ranging from finance to learning and development. It is no wonder that she masters change. Today, she runs her own company, helping women in midlife leverage the multitude of transitions they face and move into their full power and impact. Uh, welcome to the show, Philippa. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here with you, Jeff, today. I am excited. I've been waiting for months to get Philippa on the show, so I'm really excited to have her here. Now, Philippa, you have created a framework. Um, you call it, um, you're working on a book as well. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your book and then tell us a little bit about um, the framework that go goes into the book? Yes. Okay. So I have created a framework, which I call EAT, as it's an acronym. Uh, it stands for energy, attention, and time. And these are our most precious assets. This is what actually makes us wealthy today. It isn't, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later. It, it isn't what we necessarily think it is. Uh, but in today's world, it is being able to manage, be the boss of our energy, attention and time, our EAT is what I call it. And so my book has a working title because I'm currently writing it at the moment. So the working title is You Are What You Eat. Well, yeah, because you are, after all, what you eat. And if you're not looking after your energy, attention and time, you are not being your most fabulous person. And so this is what I want to talk to, to people about. This is what I want to write about. And, and also there's a twist in my book as well, because I love helping people get through books that they read. A lot of people buy these, these lovely self-development books 
and and get inspired by the cover and by the back of what what it says and and then maybe they read the first chapter and they don't get any further and i also want to use this book to teach people how to to read the book to actually get through it so there's a bit of a twist on it as well because um uh, I, I'm playing with this. I'll see here, see how it actually works out. See what my, my, my beta readers say when I start throwing this at them and they're going, well, this is a strange setup for a book. We'll see what they think about it. Uh, I yeah. love it. And I'm guessing some of my audience will happily volunteer to uh, read your book in advance. Now, before we get too deep, um, I love the term wisacious phoenix of change. What does that mean to you exactly? Yeah. Okay. So wisacious is a name that I work, I, I made up. It's a combination of the word wisdom and audacity. So wisdom, audacity together becomes wisacious. And that's who we are when we reach midlife. Whether I work with women, but whether it's women or men, we have gathered wisdom. And certainly when I'm working with the women of today and Gen X and, and in this sort of midlife from between 40, 60, 65, even 70 years, it's, it's we've got to a point in life where we go, enough is enough. We want more. We want to impact. We want to create change. We want to build our legacy. And so there's this sense of not only have we gathered all together life's wisdom, but we're also audacious we have got to that point in life where it's like we're doing it whether you like it or not we're doing it we're going to change the world and i think this is what gen x is going to be doing it's a very very interesting generation to be working with we're pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> and so and so that's the wiseacious part then the phoenix is to represent my love of change and the fact that i do not hesitate to burn things down if necessary, to rise up again. And I normally say, I am expanding abundance and limitless possibility, the phoenix rising through change, stronger and wiser than ever before. Because it's not about destroying something in order to run away or uh, because you don't like it anymore. It's, it's, this, it's the ability to be able to see that it's time for a change and in order to level up, in order to move forward and develop, burn it down. And that's why I say I am the wisacious phoenix of change. And it's my purpose. It's, it's how I define my purpose. And not everybody has to understand those words when I say it. But for me, it's what is driving me, motivating me. It gives me clarity. When I get up in the morning, I know exactly you know, when I'm living according and leading according to this, I'm alive, I'm on fire. People can really, really feel my energy and they benefit from it because yeah. I become their spark of the flames of transformation in them. I, I love that. And I'm just going to share a personal story and your your words, I, I have uh, chills right now. Um, I talk about burning things down a lot and people go, oh, you can't do that. I'm like, it's not burning to destroy, it's burning to release. And, you know, I, I made a comment to some colleagues that I'm burning my calendar down and I'm filling it only with the things that really, really inspire me. 
And I think people have this safety mindset and I want your take on this. You know, they're like, oh, you shouldn't burn it down. You should gradually change. And I'm like, it's not serving me. And therefore, why am I hanging on to it? Um, it's almost this mental clutter around projects. And, and I feel like that's something you and I have in common is we're always looking at these projects. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Marie Kondo. And I always say, does this bring me joy? If not, it's gone. Exactly. And I, I say, if I'm not having fun, I'm not doing it which is the same same way way of saying that in some ways, just slightly differently. Um, yeah, and, and I think it's got to do with um, a, a level of fear. You need to bust through your fear in order to go through the change. And so it requires perhaps a really large facing down of fear to actually have this sense of I'm going to burn it all down and I'm going to start again. And I've done it again and again in my life. You know, I've packed two suitcases and moved from one country to the other. I packed up a whole house and my two kids and I left one country and I moved to another with just a house and no job and found a job. But, you know, when I moved the very first time with my two suitcases, I had nowhere to live, but I had a job. And and, you know, and I do this again and again. And it's like when I needed to move again with my teenage sons, because my eldest son, he needed a new a, a new place to be to stretch him mentally, to, to go to a school which would really, really keep him mentally stimulated. Again, I was basically burning things down. I was leaving a job that I loved. I was leaving an island that I loved, but it was time to move on. And it's recognizing that and having that I want to say courage, but in in some ways, it's it's courage is is actually really just a decision. It's like a a decision that we make of, and I've said it again earlier that in in our interview today is it's enough is enough. It's time for a change, and I'm making this decision, and I am going for it. <laughs> and um, and there's a sense of, I know I can do this as well. And and believe yeah. me, it's not. It's a really messy. Oh my God, and it can be really hard work. And, and there's a lot of pitfalls along the way. And yet there's this underlying certainty that I as a human being can create this. I can do this. And I think that's what courage really is. Leaning well, and back. once you've done it once, then you have that confidence to repeat it. And and I think sadly a lot of people stay in in their rut because it's comfortable and they don't want to get over that little bump to escape. And yet once you see that there's a big world out there, it's really hard to settle back into a rut. Yes, exactly. Very very true. And and I love the fact that you picked up the word confidence because people want to have confidence, but confidence is a result of having had the courage to do things. It's exactly as you say, if I've had the courage, I've made that decision, I've made that change in my life, then I will have the confidence to do it again and again and again, because I know I am capable, that I can apply what I have learned to a new situation and I know I'll get through it. And that's how I get confidence, by having courage first. I love it. And by the way, I think the, the crest for the wisacious phoenix of change is I am confident, you know, like it, it's that mantra that, you know, and, and again, competency is a muscle. If we don't 
exercise it. Um, if we don't eat well, um, we're never going to strengthen that muscle. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. All right. Now I'm going to ask you a hard question, and and uh, this is where uh, I'm going to ask you to share something very openly. But when and how did you lose control of your personal eat, and how did this affect your life, your health, your journey? Yeah, it was actually 10 years ago now. And <clears throat> it was one of those moments where I was burning things down. I'd made the decision to move. I've mentioned it earlier because of my son who needed uh, a more intellectual stimulating environment. And so I went through some big changes in my life. Um, I had recently been divorced. I sold my house. I moved from one island to another. I changed job, I changed schools, I did all of this and I stepped into a job that was too big for me, that I actually didn't have the skills and competency to succeed in it. And yet I was too stubborn to step out of it and to change that. And I felt that I needed to stay in that, to, to fulfill this change that I was going through. I was. I was, you know, single mom, paying for my kids, you know, I needed to have this job. And I think a lot of us listening to this here will know this. And it's a hard place to be sometimes to get through that. And because of the incredible, and this is why I say, sometimes when we make these changes, it, it takes a lot out of us. And what I wasn't doing and what I learned from creating this huge change is that I no longer had my eye on my most precious assets, my energy and my attention and my time. I actually let the world, my circumstances, people's expectations of me and requirements and what I thought people wanted of me, I let it steer my life. I was no longer in alignment with me and I was certainly no longer looking after my energy, attention and time. So I hit that big, that proverbial wall big time and burnt out to the point where um, I could only do one thing a day. I could no longer read books. I, I thought it was great if I could actually just get through a newspaper article and I could cycle maybe 200 meters and then I had to stop for a rest. That's how burnt out I was. And that experience I'm thankful for. At the time, I thought it was the end of the world because I lost everything. Yeah. And again, yeah. this I, this idea of burning things that I actually lost everything unintentionally. I lost my health. I lost my job because they fired me. They're like, oh, we don't want somebody who's burnt out, you, you know, so they fired me. Yeah. I lost my wealth because it took me many years to be able to start working again. I lost my identity as a mum. I couldn't be the mum that I wanted to be, the partner I wanted to be, and I'd lost my identity. I was no longer a principal of several schools. I, I had no identity. And so I lost so much. And being in that really deep and dark, dark, dark place, from there, there's that sort of part of me, that's that, that part of me that just always is looking for... And that's also part of my purpose. You know, I'm always 
finding and revealing the possibility in a situation. I am prepared to make the change. And so from that place, I'm like, okay, I'm not staying here. I am going to learn everything I can about managing my energy, attention, and time. I'm not going to land there again. I'm going to become the master of my eat so that I have more energy, more time, and more focus so I can really live the life that I want to lead and ultimately make more money. <laughs> I mean, you know, people, that's what people want most. It's like, you know, if you want, you know, it's like, I'd like to know how to make more money. Well, you can't make more money if you're not looking after your energy, attention, and time. Yeah. I, I could give you, you know, if I gave you more time, but you don't have any energy, what will you use that time for? Probably sit in front of, you know, TV and, and, and watching Netflix or, or whatever, you know, TV channel <laughs> you love. And, and, you know, eating chips and drinking cola or whatever, which isn't necessarily the type of life you want to be leading. So it's like, it's like, this is why I talk about energy, attention and time. It's where are we putting our focus? Do you have energy to use the time that you have? Yeah. You can't have one without the other two. They go together. And I wanted it as an acronym so people could remember it. Am I managing my eat? Am I eating well? Yeah, and it's it's sort of, you know, I'm not a nutritionist, although I'm very <laughs> interested in food. But, the, but there is this concept of you are what you eat. Yeah. And it's not just about food. I, about I love that. And I think one thing I'll point out, you know, I've burnt out multiple times in my life. And, you know, if I was smart enough to listen to the advice, the advice I wish I would have gotten was slow down because once you burn out, you stop, you know, it's like you're sitting beside the road, you're out of gas and you're just, you know, you want to get back in into the road, you know, you want to get going, but it's just, you're literally useless to yourself, useless to the world. Um, you need to balance that that energy. And, you know, obviously the attention and the time are sort of byproducts. If we don't deal with the energy, we're going to lose the other two. Exactly, now, exactly. Now, I love a good acronym. Um, so tell me, when and how did you discover your EAT concept and why have you constructed it the way that you did? Okay, so I love learning. Um, I'm one of these. I'm one of these people. I'll read a book and then I'll actually implement what I've learned. Um, and I sorry, sorry, I'm going to interrupt. I rarely do, but that is an understatement. So um, she massively, massively implements, and I just want to acknowledge that because. You know, the first time I met Philippa, I gave her a little bit of advice and and it's amazing how she's taken it and run with it and made it her own. So sorry. Um, I just had to point out that massive, massive implementation, not just, you know, a little bit, you know, we're not just tweaking, we're burning it down and starting over. Oh, we are. Thank you so much, Jeff, for pointing that out. Yes, yes. So that is. And so I love learning. And also here in Sweden, where I live, I get to have to be able to do university courses. And we don't have to pay for it here. 
Ooh. It's part of our, you know, being in the socialist, you know, system, etc. We pay taxes, quite a few, bit of them actually. Um, but one of the byproducts is that um, we get to study, and so. I actually decided to study, do some media studies, and I sat in a brilliant lecture with this man who was talking about wealth and how wealth has changed historically. When we had the agricultural age, a symbol of wealth, or if you were wealthy in the agricultural age, it was because you owned land and livestock. You had animals that you could slaughter, sell the meat for whatever, the wool, the, the eggs, etc. You owned land and livestock. Then came the Industrial Revolution. Now, if you were wealthy in the Industrial Revolution, you owned factories, machines, conveyor belts, and people came to work in those places. Today, though, who is the most wealthy? How do we define wealth in the technical age? And all we need to do is actually go and look into the windows of an office block of an evening. What will you see in there? Tables, chairs, some computer screens possibly. But it will just be the computer screen. It won't necessarily even be the actual computer. Right. Because that laptop has been taken home. And what is really the value for the company are those brains that walked out at the end of the day and went home. It's us. It's our energy, our attention, and our time that are the most valuable. And if we, as people, can master those, that is a definition of wealth. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the world. If you don't have energy, you can't focus on what you want to focus on and you don't feel you ever have time. To, so my, so this, is, this was a real sort of like light bulb moment for me. I'm like, oh my God, that is what I had been working with since my burnout. And, and so it helped me define what are my mo most precious assets? And and this was in Swedish, the, the whole thing. So I went away and I thought about it in English. And that's when I came up with my acronym of EAT, Energy, Attention and Time. And and I've been working with that ever since. And, 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 what, and what my book is about. I want more and more people to understand this and start bossing their most precious assets so they can be the most incredible human beings that I know everybody can be. It's just we're kind of, um, I'm going to say, I'm going to use the word victim because that's the only word that comes up in my head right now. We're, we're kind of like a victim or, or a product of our society and the pressures there. And I would quite like us to, I'm a bit of a rebel. I'd quite like us to have a little little revolution against <laughs> this and um little she says i would like us to have a you know worldwide revolution and actually global revolution just shrug off the the chains of oppression right exactly and become our own 
leaders and masters of our energy attention and time so we truly have more time more energy so we can focus on the things that really matter to us because most of us aren't well i think it's that herd mentality and you know if you go back far enough people who rocked the boat were were thrown out of the village and i think we've all learned let's play it safe and and get along and i can't help but think that you know as as a human being my life's drastically different if i'm in control of my eat um but if i teach my kids that that becomes a a, a monumental wave of of ripple and impact um i don't know of a more important role in my life than to give my kids that inspiration um but also from an employer point of view if you unlocked and gave your employees control of their eat, that would unlock an unprecedented level of wealth because all of that energy, you know, they're not going to reinvest 100% of their energy into the company. But even if they reinvested 20%, 10%, the company is still, you know, as you said, it, it's the asset and it grows very quickly when, you know, all it takes is a spark and then it, it filters out. Yes, and exactly. And and I can't actually remember the statistics, but they're horrifying. Um, how much of a work week we're not really using because we're distracted. We we you know, we don't have that focus. In in fact, there are so many people that that no longer really can focus. We can focus about four to five hours a day, like really intense, sort of almost that low sensation but real focus really working on those high impact tasks which when i say that as well makes the industrial revolution eight hour work day completely redundant because there is no way that we can actually focus for eight hours a day and any employer that expects their employees to do that is well just not in reality is is yeah. living in a dream it is not happening so let's get real we need to again revolutionize how we actually see our work day and and start to use it differently and there is a greater awareness because you have this sort of like i know you can sort of book focus time now and you know in, in your so that you know, in Teams or, or I think it's Microsoft Teams and, and other, other sort of systems, you can like book focus time so that people, you know, can see and, and won't disturb you. But it's still not enough. People still don't understand fully their daily rhythm and when is the best time for them to focus on certain high impact tasks and when is the best time for them to do other tasks, low impact tasks. And what are they? Most of the time, people are, are juggling the high impact and the low impact tasks all the time. I mean, Stephen Covey wrote about it in his book as well, you know, about these quadrant two and quadrant one and two and three. As ideally, you want to be in quadrant two, working with things that are important but are not a um, you know, urgent. That's it. So they haven't got yeah. to the point where the fire is burning. We want to be in that space yeah. and not where. A lot of people are in quadrant one, two or three, and certainly quadrant one, they're working on things. They're just putting out fires every single day. And that's all they're doing. They're working on the things that feel important and are urgent or actually feel urgent and are not even important. Yeah. And, and by the way, that's one of my favorite 
lessons I learned early in life was, um, and by the way, I, I was shocked as an adult. I called it the Covey Quadrant uh, most of my adult life, and it turns out he adapted it from Eisenhower. So officially, it's actually called the Eisenhower Matrix, and I'm like, nope, it's the Covey Matrix. You know, <laughs> Eisenhower invented it. You know, it was something he used, um, but Stephen Covey burned it into my brain but it was just somebody kept correcting me and i'm like why are you correcting me and they said because eisenhower came up with the concept and i'm like well then i'm gonna give covey credit for popularizing it um (laughs) so we can give them both credit it's just (laughs) but this is it's always such a joy to talk to you jeff because i always learn things when i speak to you i didn't know that about eisenhower so i will certainly credit him as well and go eisenhower invented it and stephen covey covey Covey, however we say his surname um i'm sure i ought to learn it um we'll we'll get the credit for for popularizing it as you say so um yeah well let's talk specifics so um I'm going to ask you this for each of the the three energy, attention, and time. Um, can you give me an example? We'll start with energy. What you mean by being the boss of or in control of energy? Let's start with with that, and then we'll get into attention and time. Okay. So, what you're going to discover when you read my book is different exercises, tips and tricks, methods, things that you can test and experiment with um to better understand your energy and how that affects your performance and how you feel and your ability to focus and even your sense of time like i said earlier if you have lots of time but you don't have any energy then well really all that extra time really perhaps wasn't worth it and, I love it. And so when it comes to energy, one of the things that I like people to look at is to start to understand and and track their energy levels over four weeks. And and all of these ideas, these are not inventions. I've I've you know, a bit like Eisenhower and Stephen Covey. Um they've all, you know, created these amazing ideas. And and I adapt them a little and bring them all together and go, one of the exercises that I think people should do is track their energy levels over four weeks and actually see when, which parts of the day do I get a lot done? And which parts of the day where, you know, really I would just like to lie on the sofa or you're chugging down that cup, those cups of coffee. And, and that's one exercise that you can do where you can start to understand your personal energy levels. And it was fascinating. For me, I work really, really well sort of from early in the early hours of the morning, sort of 6 to 11. You know, any time around that, I can get a lot of stuff done. And then I can get a lot of stuff done between 5 and 7 in the evening. So I actually set up my work day so that I do, for example, my writing, I do it in the morning. And then I will do other more focused work again between five and seven in the evening, or I'll have important meetings between five and seven in the evening. In the afternoon, I'll go and do more creative things where I don't need to use that same level of intense 
focus and anal you know the analytical part of my brain where I am a little bit more tired I will also take a nap because if I take a nap I know that I have increased my performance um, for the next six hours afterwards and and so that, that that's around energy I love that and I think too many people how do I put it they they react to energy as if it's it's externally imposed you know it's almost um not to i don't think it's the appropriate word but it it's thrust upon us you know our energy levels are somehow external and yet i think for what i'm hearing from you is you know and and my experience we can choose our energy levels just by being aware of them and, you know, certain activities add energy, certain activities take energy, certain people, certain foods, they add, they take away. And it's just, you know, finding the right combination to unlock that, that energy is huge. Yes, yes, yeah. And, and sometimes saying not now, and, and I'll give you a really real example. Um, you and I booked this, um, we were going to have the interview a few months ago, um, or a couple months ago, but you wanted to make sure everything was ready and, and full on. And I think, you know, our conversation is more guided because of that. Um, I think a lot of people are like, I want to get this done now. Um, sometimes waiting is worthwhile and, and we need to practice that level of, you know, grace with ourselves and, and definitely with others. Um, now let's talk about attention because I think right now my big, concern you know everybody's talking about artificial intelligence and you know how it's going to end humanity um i think the real threat of artificial intelligence is it's like an infant it's screaming for our attention and it hasn't evolved enough that maybe it's it's earned our attention um so what does it mean to you to be a boss of attention well yes um fascinating that you you um make the connection with AI as well. And I would say with any sort of apps and the whole technical world, you know, is, is screaming for our attention. Uh, and it's not going away. You know, it's, it's gonna be more and more and more. Um, so when it comes to the attention part, one thing that I talk about is your environment. This is where we have control. How are you setting yourself up for success? How are you allowing yourself to have the attention? I remember one of the sort of, one of the first ways I started working with attention years ago was when someone said to me, we choose where we lay our attention. We choose what we pay attention to. And so I've, I've been applying this in all aspects of my life. So watching TV, I choose what I pay attention to. Well, then I can choose what I watch. I can be more aware of what I watch and how it affects me. I can be more aware of how I set up my work environment. Does it help me to have focus? I will be aware of that there's all sorts of things that help our brain to focus 
how, how have I set up my rest? Breaks. Now, I can't focus for an eternity. It doesn't work like that. The brain tires. Yeah. And so it's, it's getting an alignment with that, which kind of like ties in with the energy. This is where I say it's not possible to, to talk about energy without talking about focus and attention and without talking about time because it, the time aspect comes in as well there. Very, but it is fascinating how, you know, wh where is our attention? I think, I think let's talk about food, for example. You know, if you yeah. go into the kitchen and, and there's a bowl of fruit there, you're more likely to have fruit. If your crisp and your chocolate are really easy to get hold of, yeah. Let me just tell you something about willpower. We don't have it in infinity. Your willpower is good in the morning. You will eat that apple. By the time you get to mid-afternoon, I promise you, when you walk into that kitchen, it will be the crisps and the chocolate. <laughs> so set yourself up for success and maybe don't have crisps and chocolate very easily accessible. Or maybe not. don't even have them at home. Well, yeah. Whatever is necessary for you. I know, I know someone who, when he goes to a hotel, he gets his assistant to make sure that they've emptied the minibar. Because <laughs> he knows if the minibar is full, he will eat all of the peanuts, all of those crisps, all of those munchies. He will, not necessarily the drinks, I don't think it was about the alcohol. It was about just gnashing, about eating all the stuff that he doesn't want to eat but it's yeah. there and he just and he knows he's going to get in there he's going to be tired and he's going to go i need energy and he'll open up the mini bar and he says it has to be empty <laughs> and th that's setting up your environment for success right yes absolutely and it means that his attention then will have to go and turn to something else it's like okay Maybe I will go and do something else then. Maybe I will, you know, if I really am hungry, maybe I will actually turn my attention to finding something that is more nourishing. But help ourselves as well so that we do focus on the things that matter to us. And so it's understanding how our brain works and, 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 and yeah. And well, in... <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of habits, and I think that's one of the challenges when people rely on willpower. It's just dumb luck. Like you're you're hoping that temptation hits you when you're strong, which it it does, but you just don't notice it. But when you're tired, you're like, oh, look at that. Um, so I think that's amazing. And again, it's deliberate. Um, one of my pet peeves, I hate going to a restaurant and watching the people around me all mindlessly eating and ignoring each other and they're on their phones. And it's like, pay attention to the food. It tastes better. Um, pay attention to the people at the table. It's more interesting than whatever's on your device. Um, now, last, let's talk about being the boss of time because common wisdom has it that we all have 168 hours in a week we all live by the second um is it possible to be the boss of time absolutely well first of all we created that concept as a clocks and things like that they didn't exist in fact i normally say to people there's a big secret that you need to know everything is made up we made <laughs> it up and when you realize we've made it up you also realize we can change it. So what I talk a lot about is changing 
your relationship to time and also changing how you even talk about time. This is one of the exercises I do as well. Think about the language you have around time. People say, I can't find the time. I don't have any time. And I like to say, oh, you can't find the time. Where are you looking for it? <laughs> Under that stone, out in the woods. You know, it's like, hello. Time <laughs> is not something you go looking for and you find. Yeah. <laughs> time is not necessarily something we, we have or don't have. And, and so I like to sort of start to, if we talk about, I mean, obviously there's lots of exercises and lots of concepts I'd like to cover, but we, we don't have all the time for that. Um, but, but one thing is really the language and it's limiting. If I say, hello, I, I like to invite my clients to spend the next week or two and I will invite, I will leave the listeners now with this is what I love as well. If anybody's going to work with me, we've got to take action and you're going to do something really easy in the next week that could actually change your life. So in the next week, when you catch yourself saying, I don't have time, I haven't got time, can't find the time, anything that is expressing a lack of time, stop yourself and say this instead. I have all the time in the world and pause <laughs> and feel it because it's what you were talking about earlier, Jeff. It's that slowing down. And when we do that, we suddenly feel that space and that time. And I am betting Anybody who does this exercise will feel space. Probably they will actually do what I just did. Take a deep breath, breathe out, yeah. slow down that fraction of a second and suddenly feel a little bit more relaxed. And then move forward in your life from that and get curious and see how that feels. I, I love that. And just, I can feel that sense of, ah, you know, it's, that's the thing. All we have is this moment, you know, and that's, we need to, to live in it. Um, now I could talk to you all day and, and my listeners know this because I have occasionally gone long, but I want to be very mindful that you are creating and you're changing the world. So I want to make sure we, we share everything we need. Um, probably one of my last questions, if people want to get to know you better, if they want to become a beta reader, um, if they want to collaborate with you, how do they connect with you and, and how are you finding your, your readers? Yes. So I would love to have more beta readers helping me craft this book that I'm really passionate about and really want to bring out into the world. And anybody who signs up, you don't have to have lots of time. I am thankful for any feedback, even if it is that you only get time to read one page, half a chapter, or give me feedback on the eventual 
title and the and the front cover of the book as a thank you for that time for your eat your energy attention and time that you've given to the book then i will give you the ebook for free as a big thank you for that and there is a sign up page and i will give you the um link to that jeff uh to put in the show notes um it's philippa gilstrom forward slash beta readers um but people will probably spell my name wrong so it's better if we just give we'll just paste it in We'll paste one in. And, but otherwise, otherwise, simply Google my name, Philippa Yilström. Eller Yilström, we say in Swedish. Eller Gilström is what people are going to probably say uh, in the English-speaking world. Um, Google me, because I have quite an unusual name, and you will find me. First and things I, first, yes. Your website comes up. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I have an unusual name. So... <laughs> Fairly easy to find me. And I love connecting with people, collaborating with people, working with people. So reach out, get in contact. Let's talk. Love it. And I will put this in the show notes so that uh, nobody has to go to searching too far. Um, Philippa, I know you have a lot of amazing things on the go. So I want to thank you for spending some of your energy, attention and time with me today. Thank you so much, Jeff. It has been a huge pleasure being here on your show. Well, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and we invite you to either click the link below or scan the QR code to register and listen to other episodes of our podcast. Or if you think your business or you would be a great guest to be on our show, we're always looking for experts in one of the nine elements of holistic wellness. We'd love to have you. You can either click the link below or you can scan the QR code and complete our speaker intake form. Thank you and to your wellness.